You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. I just love the word that you brought last week, babe. That was really good. And it was, even though it was corrective, it was really life-giving. And um, I think it really helped us to, to make some decisions. Who was making some decisions after last week? You know, just going, yeah, I need to, I need to come. I need to stop being, you know, a little bit lukewarm. I need to come wholeheartedly to, to God. Um, and so I, I believe that we're in a, a, a bit of a prophetic zone at the moment as a church. Um, you know, there are times in the life of a church when God is really saying something, you know. And now I believe God is always saying something, but there's times when he's really saying something. And, and I believe that this, uh, this season, however long it goes, I believe God is really wanting to, uh, to adjust and encourage us in the right direction. So I've titled my message today, Heart Drifting. Your heart can slip or your heart can drift. Um, and this is really just a continuation of what, uh, what Beck was bringing last week. Um, see, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 3, says this powerful thing. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. That's a really weird thing to have to do, right? Guard your heart. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm pretty good at guarding my family. I used to live with a baseball bat underneath my bed, you know, and I'm like, you know, I don't know if that was uh, a little bit, you know, freaky, but I was like, if anyone comes into my house, the first thing they're going to see is the edge of this bat. Um, I'm pretty good at guarding my family. I'm not too bad at guarding myself, although I'm sure Josh Weeks could, uh, could say that I'm, I need some, some work there. But... Um, but guarding my heart, that's a different thing. But yet, this is saying guard your heart above everything else, above all else, because your heart determines your life. Because your heart determines your life. Not what your circumstances do to you, not how much you earn, not what kind of family you were raised in. Your heart, your heart determines your life, right? As your heart goes, so goes the rest of your life. Um, I, I don't know how many people, this is a quite a sobering thought. I don't know how many people that, um, Beck, we've seen over the years who were once on fire for God, on fire, like walking around, giving people prophetic words, like on the train, seeing prophetic words on people's lives and, you know, just living a life, serving God wholeheartedly, totally on fire for God. Like you'd be like that in every prayer meeting, early to church, late to leave, serving, you know, just giving everything to God, carrying the Holy Spirit with them in the, in, during the week. And I'd be like, whoa, man, we need more people like you. And then after a little while, this, you know, the heart kind of, wanes, kind of, kind of drifts. You know, something just kind of gets in, niggles away at their heart. And after a while, they're just kind of lukewarm. Just kind of, yeah, yeah, God's good. Yeah. They, they, their passion kind of slows. They stop caring, you know. They stop coming. 
their hearts sometimes even turn against God. I've seen that. I could name people right now of people who are passionate for God and now are actually against God. It's because something happened to their heart. And so this, this, this verse is key so it doesn't happen to you. Because the, the, the one thing I want to I do when I, when I think about those, those people is I want to go, how does that, how do I stop that from happening to me? Guard your heart is how it stops happening to you. Guard your heart. Guard what is coming into your heart. Guard what is going on in your heart. Right? Because if we're not careful, you can drift. You can just, life can just happen. And then all of a sudden, you ten, it's 10 years down the track and you just drifted. And your heart is not all His. It's kind of like, yeah, God's good. I'm, yeah. And maybe you're in church. Maybe you're not. But what happens in 10 years in your life depends on what happens in your heart. Not externally, because what you do to what happens on the outside of you all depends on what's happening inside of you. You can be an overcomer in here, but if your heart drifts away from God, there's no guarantees. If you guard your heart, I reckon maybe that's the only guarantee you have. And being in community. In fact, I can think of a few now, which might help. And we'll talk about those. We'll talk about them. Don't you worry. We're going to get to that. So, uh, so Pastor Keith and I, uh, we prepared this sermon together this week. And we just wanted to, to bring uh, three, three churches that Paul spoke about, that Paul spoke to. Uh, and he, he kind of gave them a heart adjustment along the way. So the first one uh, that we're going to look at is Rome. Rome is the strong church. You know, at the beginning of, uh, of Romans, um, Rome is strong. He says, sorry, at the end, in, in ch- chapter 16, um, he says, you are competent to teach one another. He's like, you guys are strong. You guys have a strong understanding. You have a strong relationship with God. You can even teach one another. You guys are awesome. Um, and Rome was a church of the Word. And you look at, you look at the... the the book of Romans, and it is a meaty, it is chunky. You know, you, you, I find it hard to read like whole chapters of Romans at once because I'm like, oh, just back up for a second, Paul. Like this is, this is full on. I can't, really? Uh, okay, I gotta get a grip, get my head around that concept before I move on to the next verse. You know, like I'm like, whoa, hang on a minute, man. You, slow down, Paul, slow down. You know, like uh, if, if someone preached like Paul wrote, you'd be like, oh, stop, stop, right? It's full of incredible teaching. And, 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 and we have got a, a pretty incredible teacher ourselves in Pastor Keith. I love preparing my messages with Pastor Keith because I'm sitting there going, huh, and what about this? And all I have to do is ask one question and he will, he will talk for an hour. You know, he will just be like, well, and, and then the Greek says this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, really? And then what happened? And he's like, well, you know, and, I, and I'm like, I've got things to do, but this is so good right now. So I like this. So Paul is coming to the Roman church as a teacher. And this book is so filled with teaching. But in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and we heard this last week. Paul says, Therefore, after all this incredible stuff, 
He's just explained Christ and freedom and, you know, grace and truth. And he's talking, you know, read the book of Romans. It's, it'll, it'll blow your mind. And then in chapter 12, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's, he doesn't say offer your bodies as living sacrifices. It's not, I, 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 it's not a sacrifice today and then a sacrifice next week or a sacrifice in a month or a sacrifice next year. It's a living sacrifice. It's a, it's a sacrificial lifestyle. I don't sacrifice myself once today, yeah, and then in, in, in six months' time I go, yeah, I think I'm due for sacrifice. You know, it's not like the oil change on your car. You know, you don't get this little reminder or a text message on your phone. Oh, yeah, it's time to sacrifice myself again today. All right, no worries. I'm due. It's not like that. It's live daily as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Paul said, I die every day. Jesus said, take up your cross every day. That means it's not about me first and foremost every single day. It's about Him. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you, right? I'm getting ahead of myself. You know, can I just say, um, teaching, solid teaching won't keep your fire alive by itself. It won't. You know, I know a lot of very knowledgeable Christians who do not have passion for God anymore. How many Christians do you know who are filled with knowledge but live a blasé life to God? I don't want to be like that. I don't want you to be like that. I want us to be on fire. But how many passionate new Christians do you know, right? People who just come to faith and you're like, whoa, you're rubbing off on me because I'm getting, I'm getting hungry right now just by talking to you. You know, I love talking to Marissa because every time I talk to Marissa, I go, I should be a bit more on fire. I need to adjust a few things because Marissa's like, this is my time. Church is my time. You know, this is my time. And my husband knows that that's my time. And I'm like, oh, right. That's good. That's good. Knowledge is not an indicator of passion. Let me just tell you, that's not how it works. You got a lot of head stuff up here. That doesn't matter if you haven't got heart stuff going on down here right? The sacrifice, Paul is saying right here, the sacrifice that keeps the fire burning is you. You are the sacrifice that keeps the fire burning, right? Keep giving yourself to Him. Keep, keep, keep saying, God, I'm, I'm, I'm not about me. I'm, I'm about you. You know? My concern is that it's too easy for us to live a convenient Christianity. Isn't it? It's getting a little bit harder in our world, in our Western world. It's getting a little bit harder. But you can still be a nominal Christian if you want. You can still be a, yeah, yeah, you know. Get to work and people go, hey, what did you do on the weekend? Yeah, not much. You know, what's happening in your world? Yeah, kids are good. You know, like, when does God leak out? It's too easy for be, to be a comfortable, convenient Christian. You know, um, Beck talked last week about what, what, are you, what are you putting on your fire? 
And I, I think that what we, what we think is that by, by, by reading my Bible once this week and by turning up to church, then um, I'm, I've got enough on my fire to keep it burning. It's, it's not enough. We keep putting these non-combustibles on the fire. You know, you keep putting all these things that don't help the fire burn. They dampen the fire out, you know. Uh, here's, a, here's a punch in the face for you. Um, Bill Johnson, and I think you said this last week as well, is said in his book, Hosting the Presence, convenience and sacrifice cannot coexist. Wow. Yeah. Pastor Keith this week had a whole bunch of his D group members come up to him and say, after reading that, that quote, they said, all right, we're in. We're in. That, that, that hit us for a six. The whole thing is hitting us for a six. But what do we do now? I'm all in to God. But what do we do now? Where do we go? What's, what's next? You're about to find out. <laughs> Second church we're going to look at is the church of Corinth. These are real churches that existed many moons ago. And Corinth was the rich church. At the start of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, you have been to, to this church in Corinth. He says, you've been enriched in every way. Now, in, back in those days, in, uh, in, in Greece and Asia Minor, in Greek culture and Roman culture, it was extremely important that you were a good speaker. If you could speak, if you were a good orator, then... That was extremely important. You were considered to be wise and rich. And he said to them, you are rich in speaking. You are rich in knowledge. You are rich in spiritual gifts. They had abilities and knowledge and gifts and intelligence in abundance. But you know what they lacked? Heart. They lacked heart. You know why? You can be the most gifted person in the world. But if you lack heart, if you lack passion, if you're not actually a go-getter and going to get something done, your life will be boring, same old, dull. You can be the most talented, the most intelligent. You can be the most knowledgeable Christian and have, you know, you can have memorised. I know people who have memorised whole chapters and whole books of the Bible, right? But if you're not on fire, if you don't have passion going on, that means nothing, I would rather spend five minutes with a passionate person than an hour listening to a person with knowledge. So Paul planted this church in, in Corinth. He planted the Corinthian church. So he's writing to them as their father. In, uh, in 1 Corinthians 4, he says to them, um, you, you, you have a lot of teachers, but you don't have many fathers. And he's, he's like, I'm coming to you as a father right now. Uh, he writes to them three times. Uh, the first letter we don't have. The second letter is 1 Corinthians and the third letter is 2 Corinthians. Go figure that out. All right. So I'm going to read to you 2 Corinthians. This is coming towards the, the end of his second letter that we have recorded. This is what he says in chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 2. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2. He says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband to Christ so that I might present you as a perfect virgin to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may be somehow be led astray. 
from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. How, how, how good is that? But how challenging that even though they are rich in many things, Paul's like, hang on a minute, guys. I'm, 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 I'm worried for you. I'm afraid for you. I'm concerned for you. That even though you have so much going on, I'm, I'm concerned that somehow you're, you're, you're going to be led astray. This little deception is going to come in, going to come in, and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect your heart. It's, it's going to affect your sincere and your pure devotion to Christ. Paul's concerned. What we, what, what we are facing right now in the church of this day and age is very similar to what the church in Corinth faced. And it's this, it's this loss of simplicity. It's loss of this simple faith that has one eye. I'm just, I'm one-eyed. I'm, I, have this, I have my eyes fixed on one person, Jesus. You know, um, I've been reading this book uh, at um, Beck and Pastor Keith's recommendation. Uh, it's called The Barbarian Way by Erwin McManus. Um, this was released a while ago, wasn't it? I mean, this book has been stained by many years in my garage and many years in my office. Uh, just kind of sitting there, you know, when you buy books and you're like totally going to read that and then you don't. This is one of those. Uh, and I was like, yeah, yeah, totally going to read that. I didn't even know we had a copy until Beck found it in my office somewhere. Hey, look, there it is. Oh, good. I'll read it. And so we pulled it out. And um, yeah, let me just read this quote to you. Erwin McManus, a pastor of Mosaic Church in LA, he says, um, perhaps the tragedy of our time is that such an overwhelming number of us who declare Jesus as Lord have become domesticated, or if you will, civilised. We have lost the simplicity of our early faith. Beyond that, we've lost the passion and the power of that raw, untamed and primal faith. The, the, the early believers were blown away by God. When you get saved, you're like, oh my gosh, are you serious? I get all this for free? Are you joking me? And then I get an eternity in heaven and my sins are forgiven because God died for me. Are you joking? Oh, oh my goodness. And when, and when the truth sets in, your passion is like fueled. You are like, oh my gosh. This is the best day of my life. I just, I just had an encounter with God. And you're like telling everybody, you know I mean, guess what happened to me on the weekend? <laughs> like, how many of us are still like that? Because I need to return to that. Maybe not so loud. I'll turn you all away. Uh, but like, Jesus didn't come so I could have a civilized faith. He didn't come so I could have this duplicity going on. He didn't come so that my faith could be murky with a whole bunch of other stuff thrown in the mix. All right. He didn't come so that I would have a powerless life. Okay. He came that, that we might have life to the full, that you and I would live raw, emotive, God-shaped, powerful lives here on earth, releasing heaven, touching earth, you know, like Connecting people to the intimacy of God, connecting people to the love and the heart of God for them, you know? 
an inclusive, authentic, you know, a live church that doesn't just come and sing a few songs and agree with the preacher a few times and goes home, but that we would carry God into our lives, into our families, into our workplaces, into and connecting people to God. You know, I can't connect someone to God if I don't know God. If, he's not, if I'm not all about Him, my faith seems like a side project to the average person. Right? It's, there's, we, we, we too easily kind of drift into duplicity. You know? Where it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. God's good, God's good. I know, I know. But have you seen what Netflix just released? Oh my goodness. Like, really? And I'm speaking to myself right now because I'm too easily enamoured by the latest thing. Oh, there's a new Marvel movie coming out. Oh my goodness, can't wait for Thor Ragnarok. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and I get so excited about the new. Yes, I see you smiling at me, Josh, and nodding. Yes, we should go and see the movie together. <laughs> but have you, have you seen what Jesus wants for you? Have you, seen what, have you seen what's available to you? Have you seen, have you heard? Have, have, no, no, no mind. No eye has seen, no mind has conceived, no ear has heard what God has planned for those who love Him. Hallelujah. Right? Oh. Let's get back to the truth of what God has done. Let's, let's, let's direct our hearts to what is most important, to what He has done, to what He is doing, to what He is saying, right? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with Paul a little bit here. I'm a bit grieved. I'm a bit grieved that we just kind of, we, we accept God and then we give God away so easily in our world. We kind of go, yeah, 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 God, you're awesome. Thanks so much. Yes, I received the forgiveness of my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on, for the cross, you know, on the cross for me. And yeah, that's, that's so good. And then, you know, the next week we go, yeah, that sin's looking pretty good today. Let's just, Paul's, Paul's afraid if the Corinthian church doesn't, doesn't shift something, then they're going to miss it, it all. I'm a bit, I'm a bit challenged by, by what Jesus says is the requirement to enter into heaven. The requirement is he who fulfills the will of, of the Father. Away from me, I never knew you. Do you know him? Or is he your side project? Is he your renovation? I'm challenged by this, just, just, just personally, just for me. This is why I'm always trying to get you to be more connected. I'm always trying to get you to be more and more connected to people. Because one of the things that will help you to stay on track is people. Is people who love you. Right? You get into a connect group and there's, there's like a million adjustments every, every time. It's like, oh, 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 okay, oh, right, oh, all right, good, good, yes, that's good. And people share their stuff and you go, hmm, really? And someone goes, I think it's like this and I think it's like this. And we, you kind of get these little adjustments all the time. And, and you pray and, and, start, and there's a ministry and you're like, getting these adjustments from God. Oh my goodness, wow. I'm always trying to get you more connected. Because the house of God is where you get supported and loved. And it's also where you get, where iron sharpens iron. 
right? This is not just a little club you turn up to on a Sunday. This is a family you belong to, right? So turn up every Sunday and get yourself connected and get yourself more connected. And then you can rub off on other people and they can rub off on you, right? Okay, there's, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the three-legged stool in, in, Christian, in Christian life, right? The three-legged stool. And in order that the stool doesn't fall over, because if you only have two legs on a stool, it's gonna collapse, right? If you have a three-legged stool of prayer and the Word of God and fellowship, you take any one of those away and the stool falls over. You, even if you have a really strong prayer life and a really good life in the Word of God, you disconnect yourself from the family of God and you are missing out on all of the support and encouragement and love and adjustments that come from being in the family. You take prayer or the Word out. Let's get back to this, right? Because I'm running out of time. I'm getting too fired up. Too, I'm losing track. This is what Paul is saying, to, and I haven't even got onto my main point yet, Right? Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, and let me be really, really blunt with you. This is what Paul is saying to them. This is not what I'm saying to you. This is what Paul is saying to them. He's saying, I, as your father, have betrothed you, because this is what used to happen back in their culture. I, your father would betroth the son to another daughter, to another girl, another woman, Right? And they would be betrothed. They would be betrothed. It's like an engagement period, but there's no breaking it off. Right? The father would betroth the son to, a, to another girl. And there would be this period before the wedding day, before the wedding feast, where they would have to live in pure impurity. Okay? So Paul is effectively saying to the church at Corinth, I betrothed you to the bride of Christ, as the bride of Christ. Right? You're the bride of Christ. I betrothed you to the king. And you've got to be careful that you're not falling into spiritual adultery. Because if my heart is divided and I want God, but I kind of want everything else as well, I can live in spiritual adultery, playing around. That's what he's saying to Corinth. He's saying, guys, I'm concerned because I betrothed you. He says, I promised you to one husband, verse two, to Christ, that I might present you as a pure virgin to Him. Whoa, that's heavy stuff, right? So let's move on to slightly lighter stuff. Colossae, the faithful church, right? And I'm gonna read um, Colossians Chapter 1, verse 2 to 5, because this church is amazing. Colossians chapter 1, this is Paul writing a letter to the Colossian church. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you've already heard in the true message of the gospel. Okay, this, this church is faithful. They have got faith and hope and love abounding. They are going really, really well. But if they don't keep 
their focus going, then their, their, their heart is going to drift. Uh, and, 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 and I don't know what Paul knew or saw. I don't know what, uh, what, what, what God was saying to Paul about their future. Um, but Laodicea, one of the churches that you talked about, Beck, you talked about last week, Laodicea was only like 15 kilometres, 20 kilometres down the road. And, and he mentions them in chapter 2, verse 1, right? So this, church, this, this letter is going to be distributed to, to, to Colossae and down the road to Laodicea. And Laodicea is the church that in Revelation, uh, John writes a, a letter from God to the church at Laodicea and says, you are lukewarm and God's about to spit you out of His mouth. And I don't know what Paul can see here. But he's like, you are strong. You are strong and, and I'm praying for you. I'm contending for you. You know, when you pray for someone, it's not just not, you know, like insipid weak things happening on. You, you can contend for a person in prayer. I've been praying for some people this week going, come on, Lord, let's go. Now, 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 chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says this. He says, Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, let me blow your mind for a minute, because the word here that's, that's for set your hearts is the Greek word for seek. It's the exact word that Jesus used in Matthew 6, verse 33, where He says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Exactly the same word for set your heart. Seek Him. Seek the kingdom. Set your heart on Him. And then set your minds on things above, right? So what He's saying is keep your attention Heavenward, keep your, keep your eyes fixed. Keep your attention and your devotion on Him. Watch what you're putting on your fire. Because what you give attention to and what you give devotion to will determine the state of your fire. Uh, Pastor Key said this thing to me this week. He said, there's a fine line between security and complacency. I was like, just going to write that one down. <laughs> there's a fine line between being secure in Christ, which is that the journey that we've come on, right? The journey that, that we've come on as a church has been, has been discovering this security that we have and so much else. The security and our identity in Christ. And that has been awesome. I would not give up that journey for anything. But it has a tendency to make us complacent. It has a tendency for us to go, yeah, we're good. Woo! Yeah, we're good. We're good with Jesus. We're good with God. No, we're fine. We're fine. No, I'm secure. No, no, no. No, I'm really, really secure. But then if I, if I keep just kind of living like that, so the, the difference between security and complacency is, is, let me look at my notes, diligence. It's diligence and vigilance. To, to make sure that my security in Christ doesn't become complacency in Christ, I've got to keep active. I've got to keep... I have to set my heart. I have to set my mind. Not on earthly things. How much do our, does our attention deviate to earthly stuff? 
you know, I've got to manage the crazy children. And have you seen my budget lately? Oh my goodness. And the, the, the car, oh, and my job and the boss, and the boss is on my back and, well, my goodness. And, you know, set, set your mind and your heart on him, right? It sounds so much easier to say than it is to do. But, but how much do we rely on yesterday's experience to keep my fire alive today? Right? I do. I'm like, yeah, I had an awesome day in church. Oh my goodness. And I wake up on Monday morning and God's like, come, come on, come away with me. And I'm like, yeah, but yesterday. Like, but you did great stuff yesterday. Hang on, I've got a theory. I've got a theory. So, God, so the, God's mercies are new every morning, right? Lamentations, whatever it is. Lamentations, something, something, right? His, his mercies are new every morning. I believe that there's, there's some stuff that we need to do every single day. God resets a, a bunch of stuff every morning. It's like you wake up, bing, God goes, reset. And you go, all right. And there's some stuff you've got to do every day. Paul says, I die every day. I've got to get up and I've got to go, God, you're, you're awesome. You know, I get, a, I, get a, I get a chance at a fresh revelation every day. I get a chance to walk with Him every day. And God resets it. Bing. My mercies are new every morning. You open your eyes. Bing. It's like God goes, reset, reset, reset. I, 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 need, I need to set my eyes on Him. I need to set my heart on Him. God, what am I pursuing today? What am I pursuing today? Because yesterday no longer matters. You know, Jesus said, do not... Yeah, what was it, Matthew 6, verse 34. He said, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. You just, you've got access to grace and strength for today only. And then tomorrow, you get to have grace and strength for that day. So don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow, God's going to go, bing, reset. And you go, oh, yeah. I'm really going to need you today, God, you know, and you get a chance to connect and go to Him and find strength and, and, and open the Word and find grace and connect. I just need you today. A big salvation experience doesn't mean I'm going to have a strong faith. A big wedding doesn't mean I'm going to have a strong marriage because you've got to work at it every day. Here's a quote from Pastor Keith. I just have to apologise already because it's going to hit, hit you as hard as it hit me. It's difficult to have revival when religion satisfies. It's true, everyone. If you just... Uh, don't, don't let your heart drift. I, there's another verse. I haven't put it on the thing Mate, there's another verse in Proverbs 27, verse 7. And it says, A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. But, but to a hungry soul, even what is bitter tastes sweet. If you, if you have satisfied yourself with junk food, and then my wife makes you an amazing baked dinner, you're going to be like, oh, I'm sorry, I just ate. To a, to a satisfied soul, even the best of food is like, I can't, sorry. But to a hungry soul, anything that someone offers you, you will be like, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. 
But we too often have this this tendency to fill up on anything that the world has got. And so when God says to you, come aside. Can you just open your word to 1 Timothy this morning? And and, and, And you go, oh, if I'm not hungry for anything that God has for me because I'm so full of everything else. I know I preached this word many, many years ago, but it's come back to me today. What you want and what you seek, what you give your devotion to and your attention to, it ends up on your fire. And depending on what that is, will determine if your fire burns hot or if it goes out. It's as simple as that. Set your minds, set your hearts. Seek first his kingdom. So I'm going to give you some real practical stuff before we pray. Really practical. And... I just want to say, firstly, love the basics. Because how do you do this? You never graduate from certain things in in the Christian faith, all right? There's some things that you will graduate from. There's some things you will never graduate from. And one of those is prayer, and one of those is the Word of God, right? You never graduate from the cross, okay? You never graduate from repentance. You never graduate from anointing. You never graduate from presence. You never graduate from the basics. Prayer and the Word. Encounter with God, connecting with God and the Word of God. Getting the Word into you every single day. Love the basics. If you, if, see, if you're not doing those things, we kind of start looking for what else? We kind of start going, well, well maybe there's, well, yeah, I, know, I know there's that. <laughs> of course there's that. But there's got to be something else out there. And we start looking for these new teachings or this new experience. And before we know it, we've, we, our heart has been taken by something else. It's put out our fire for God and we walk away. I've got to love what God has already given me. He's already opened the door for you to have a personal relationship with Him. Right? He's opened the door for you to connect with Him on a personal level, on a one-to-one level. So as I shared a few weeks ago, work out what that looks for you. Work it out. That looks for me like I get up in the morning, I get my phone on, I sit in my office. I'm, currently, I mean, I'm hanging out through 1 Timothy. I'll open 1 Timothy. I'll look at the next few verses and I just meditate and I sit and rest and listen to music and just, you know, I might grab my phone and look at it from five different versions and then I crank out my journal and I might journal a little bit or I'll pick up my journal at the end of the day, right? You've got to work out what that looks for you. Does that mean going for a walk and praying? Maybe. Does that mean listening to the audio Bible in your ears as you walk and pray? Maybe. Work out what that looks for you, but don't ever get away from the basics. The basics are there and you don't graduate from them. Right? If I have devotion, it doesn't mean I do my devotions. Right? If I have devotion to God, it doesn't mean I have my 30 minute slot, God, and that's all you got. And if you can't do something in that time, well, are you really God? I gave you 30 minutes last week. Right? It means that I, I'm aware of His presence every day. I'm walking with Him. It's a relationship. He, he's never going to leave you. He's always there. Right? So hang out with Him. Anyway, let's keep going. So firstly, love the basics. Second, focus on what He says is important. Jesus said uh, a few things are important. He said, I will build my church. So 
build the church, love the church. It's not perfect. We all know that. This church is not perfect. Don't expect it to be perfect. Someone will offend you. Get over it. I'll offend you. Get over it. You'll offend me. I'll get over it eventually. It's going to be all right. It's okay. This, this soft, warm heart up here will, will, will pull through. It's going to be okay. All right? Exercise love for people. Just love people. You know? That's something else you don't ever graduate from. Loving the person who's right in front of you. Pay attention to them. Eye contact. You know? Focus on them. Give them your attention. Invite people around for lunch. Let's love each other, right? Okay? Love one another. Live the kingdom life. Carry the, the, the kingdom with you wherever you go. Bring faith, hope, and love into your, into your day, into your family. Focus on what God, what Jesus says is important. And then lastly, what you desire is what you feed, and what you feed grows stronger, so feed your fire well. Right? Make sure you're eating healthy. There's some stuff that you just shouldn't listen to. There's some stuff you just shouldn't watch. There's some stuff that is, is going to affect your fire. You know, is it a sin to watch that movie? No, I'm not going to tell you it's a sin. This is one of the most common questions I get. Pastor Darren, can I watch this movie? And I go, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That ain't my job. Right? Work it out yourself. What did God say about it? Oh, I didn't ask him. Right. Right. Is it a sin? No. Is everything permissible? Maybe, but not everything's beneficial for you. Not everything's going to help your fire to stay burning hot. So cull the stuff that's not going to keep your fire hot. Right? Should you keep watching that show? This is the question. Here is the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The qualifier, right? Does it keep your fire hot or not? If it, does, if, it, if, it, if it dampens your fire, cull the show. Cull that, that artist. Cull that music. Cull that thing that you like. Cull that book series that kind of makes you wonder and woo, wow, wow, is that what it's meant to be like? No, cull it. Get rid of it. Right? Men. Hmm. There's a lot of stuff that you can look at that's not good for you. So cull it. That person you're following on Instagram, cull them. Get rid of them. It's not good for you. Right? It doesn't fuel your fire for God. And if the fire goes out, you're lost. Right? Make sure you're eating healthy. Let's pray. Let's pray. Stand to your feet. Let's pray. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.